You're listening to the Did You Hear Show. Yo, yo, yo. Morning, folks. Here it is. With your host, Jason Garvey. Yo, yo, yo. What's happening, folks? So today we are joined by the one and only Mark Ward. Mark, how's things? How are you? How's it going, Jason? I don't think I go with the yo, yo, yo. I just say, how's it going for now? <laughs> yeah, that's good enough. That's good enough. It's a little bit contagious, isn't it? The yo, <laughs> yo, yo. Everyone says it. Every time they see me, they all shout out their cars and all. Yo, yo, yo. Morning, folks. Um, so Mark is a local TD here in Kandalkin. He's with the Shin Fan Party. He does a lot for the local area. So um, we, when me and Susan had a chat that time, she told me that Mark was... Uh, extremely good to her and, and helped her a lot through everything she was trying to do so I obviously suggested to Susan that uh, reach out to Mark and try get me in contact with him and here he is so Mark nice one for coming on I really appreciate it I know you're a busy man but for everyone that doesn't know just give us a little bit about yourself where you're from and how you got involved and well, I'm from up the road here. I'm from Hairland originally so I'm not I'm not going to talk about through and through like so yeah. I was brought up in the area so when I came up here first um, there was nothing here. Like there yeah. wasn't any shops. There wasn't any transport. Or there was absolutely nothing. There was no schools. So everything that everybody wanted around this area, or everything that was needed around this area, people had to get out and fight for. Like you know I mean, so it's kind of brought up in that kind of uh, unity within community. Yeah, we were door poor. A lot of us. Yeah, we didn't know we were because a lot of us were door poor. And we're all the kind of yeah, the same, the, norm. The, the same as everybody else. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm from. I'm from I'm from Hairland there originally. I'm from North and Dorking originally, and, and I grew up around there. Tell us. So obviously you're involved in politics. And what way did that? Like, where did that stem from? Like, I'm assuming now from what you just said, you, you were always fighting for something. There was nothing mm. around, and obviously you all became a unity community very soon mm. but um, what about in school like did you have a passion for it in school because like let's face it I mean I don't think there's many people that would say oh, I want to be a politician when I grow up you know to be honest with you I didn't know what politics was growing yeah. up we didn't know what it was I didn't know what a politician a politician was somebody that was way over there yeah. somebody, in, somebody in a flash flash suit that uh, didn't speak the same accent I spoke yeah. spoke different ways and you'd see them on the news yeah. so it wasn't politics that attracted me but it was activism right. it was being active within the community and, and, and engaged and with things that were going to make our community better. So, for example, the lads that started the very first football team up in Harlem when I was a young lad, there was nothing. We hadn't even got jerseys, we hadn't got a football. So, beg, borrow and steal and got everything that we could at the start. And the old saying, jumpers for goalposts is all yeah, we had. Yeah, yeah. We hadn't even got goalposts. So, the likes of that kind of grassroots kind of things, they were the things that kind of encouraged me in, into politics. And, and as I got older, I kind of, even when I was in school, now I wasn't the, probably the best pupil in school, but I did question a lot of stuff that was going on in, in my area. How come we, like for example, we had no secondary school, so St. Kevin's Community College that's on the Fontail Road wasn't there. Wasn't there, okay. So we, we, we were in North and Dorkin, were asked to go up to a building up in Lucan. So we used to get a bus up every day, bus back in the, in, in the evenings into this school. It was, a, it was an old school up in Lucan that was deemed not fit for purpose for students up in Lucan. And rightly so, because it was, it was in bits. Right. It was dilapidated, there was um, damp, there was mould. It, it wasn't fit for purpose. Okay. These lads in, in Lucan got a brand new school, which they did need, and they deserved to get it. And there was a lot up in North and North and were put in the, into the vacant building that they were, they were at the leaving. So that kind of gave me, hold on, this is not right here. Yeah. And I knew some of the lads in the Lucan school. There's no difference between me and them. Yeah, like, yeah, we were yeah, from course, the yeah. from close enough area. Mm. It's just that their, their school was established longer. They needed a new school. Yeah. And we had nothing. But that started getting us into, that started getting me asking questions. 
there was a campaign then to get a school then at that time. Uh, the late John McCann and I would have been involved with it. And I would have been out front and centre because I was a bit of a melting school and I'd been out front and centre and any of the protests or any of the stuff that we done on the radio and stuff, I was always one of the, ones, one of the few people that get out and, and say why we need in school and when yeah. and, and what was going on, yeah? Yeah, you always had a yeah, voice like. Yeah. And would, uh, would John have been a bit of an influence to yourself? Yeah, John would have been. There was a couple of guys. John John McCann and another lad called Tommy Grant and probably them have passed away very recently right. um, would have been big influences on. Now, they, what would have attracted me about them, I knew John was, was, was Sinn Féin and but what would have attracted me was that I didn't see anybody else around the area, any other, pol- any other p- political parties around the area mm. taking an interest in us. Yeah, like John used to take us off, take us out of the area. He had a great way of of kind of broadening our horizons and, and letting her see things that was outside of knock and talk. And there's a bigger world out there, lads. Yeah. And we used to go camping on a regular basis. A lot of us used to go. We used to great crack. I can tell you some of the stories. I couldn't tell you all the stories, <laughs> but they were they were they were absolutely brilliant times. And, and it kind of opened our mind that there was another world outside of 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 knock and talk. And, and he was also involved in this, like, getting the skills set up, the likes of the Condock and Addiction Support Programme, where I used to work myself. Right. Um, he, he got that set up, the, the, clinic, the health clinic we have there at the back of Rolla, Quarryvale Community Centre, all these things was down to the likes of John and other people around him yeah. that were out there fighting to get these done. So it was community activism at his best, so that kind of attracted me as well. Yeah, well, it's good that you recognise yeah. that and obviously you give them a shout out and all yeah. because maybe enough people don't know yeah. what, what the type of stuff they done, you know. And I feel like f- for us growing up and all day, and like the little things, like we never really fully appreciated. Like we were all in Neilstown uh, Community Centre doing, yeah. taking out yeah. up to the mountains and doing shit I never done before. Yeah, like yeah. I was looking at fucking YouTube videos last night about kayaking and I remember doing kayaking with them and I was like, like this is all things that came to me from community service, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like one, and of, one of my fondest memories would be the summer camps that were around. Yeah. And I don't know if they still run the summer camps, but they took us places that we would ne- we were never going with our families anyway. Yeah. Um, and like you said, up to the mountains or to a farm or, to, you know, anywhere. And I was, and now when I think about it, I was like, that was all just a community effort. Like, mm. I mean, there was probably very little fun at the time as well, but they, they, they made it happen. Mm. So there's a lot of people, and I still see them to this day that I kind of remember. As I remember, oh, she used to do the summer camp, and you kind yeah. of idolise them, and they don't know that you remember them. Yeah, yeah. You do be nearly sometimes like, will I say hello? Will I not say hello? Yeah, it, it'd be like a teacher thing. Like they go through so many kids that it'd probably be hard for them yeah. to remember yeah, everyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If they're dealing with such a big community, like one one person that stands out that I'll always remember is that one Tammy. She seems to be still involved. Do you know who I'm talking no, about? Yeah, I, I know Tammy well. Tammy, yeah, she, I think she's from St Mark's. Um. What's her second name? Is, ta- is it Tammy up out in the St. Rollingstone Youth Service? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's she living in St. Mark's now, but yeah, I know Tammy well. Yeah. yeah I know her well. Yeah, she, she's, she's been there, involved yeah. for years, and I've always yeah. known her as, as being one of them people. She has, now I'm, I know there's loads, do you know what I mean? But that's just one that stands out. Um, so There was obviously nothing like that. Oh, when abs- you were. nothing like that, and I mean there was nothing, there was nothing. There wasn't yeah. even a bus that went by. Like, yeah. you're absolutely right. Up in the middle, like we came from... My father was in the Irish Army, so we would have came from army quarters from Mar- Marbor Hill, and all of a sudden we would have landed in 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 in, in this place in Hairlon, which there was loads of fields around. Like this, this yeah. wasn't here where we yeah. are, and the like Greenford Quarryvale wasn't there. They were all fields. Hairlon was forced, was it? Hairlon was before some of these estates. Yeah, no, so yeah, Hairlon. Yeah, Hairlon is forty years this year. Jeez. Right. So we moved. Up, I would have moved up here forty years ago this year. 
Right. Um, and Neil Sound would be before us, and uh, St. Ronan's and Roller and St. Mark's probably all are in around the same time. But Neil Sound was the first, right. and Hairland was uh, four or five years after that. See, th- this is deadly yeah. alone, you know, me and yeah. knowing all this because I never knew this before. No, I didn't know, the, yeah, I wouldn't have known the, how they are. Like, I think my house is 86, is on the when I was buying it, and it right. was 86. And I thought that was all, but yeah. I didn't know which one came first. You said Neil Sound was first, Neil Sound was the first to stay up here, and I, I'm not sure the, the order after that because I wasn't here, but I just yeah, know yeah, Neil Sound yeah, yeah. was first. But the likes of, I think, St. Ronan's and um, Rolla and St. Mark's came then. And then I think the likes of Herland then came after that. And right. Glenfield, Oldfield. And, and I, I remember up. seeing a, a video of a, a fella complaining about all the phone boxes. Yeah, Did you ever see I've it? I've seen the video, yeah. Yeah, it's gone back years. He walks out of the corner, <laughs> got in Hillstown. And it's fucking mad. But, like, they just had telephone boxes scrambled everywhere. But, but that, the reality of that, if you watch that video, that guy had to walk to Condorcan yeah. Village outside where Mannion's is now. To, to use the phone so we had nothing so we, yeah, and like, there was no house phones I, like, I think no he, he started he started in Neilstown yeah. he walked up to Kandok and yeah. to Kappamorg Kappamorg yeah. yeah and then he walked up to uh, where that bleeding TV repair place is near Kandok and Library yeah, yeah. and I think that was the closest yeah, one yeah so around Mannion's there that's where, yeah. that's where he found yeah. it so, but, that was, but that was the lack of things that we had we had nothing you yeah. know what I mean and I say I had nothing we had absolutely had nothing like, yeah. you know what I mean like, and, and what about your, your family Mark the where uh, uh, was any of family involved in politics or not? So my man and dad, like they're just normal people. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. like it's all like um they have two legs and everything. They have else. two legs. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they're still going as well. But they like my dad was in the Irish Army. Right. So he he spent his life in the twenty five years in the Irish Army. Right. Served served the state here and abroad. Right. But he was always a Republican, and obviously Sinn Fein supporter. Yeah. Now he's a very quiet spoken Sinn Fein supporter because at the time you weren't allowed to be a a supporter of Sinn Fein while you were in the Irish Army because we are seen as a subversive organisation back then. Right. So okay. he had to kind of keep that quiet. So my dad would be good friends with the likes of John McCann. Right. So they would have been friends outside of that kind of yeah. stuff as well, and that that would have my dad would have been one of the lads that would have went camping with us and brought us camping as well, all that kind of stuff as well. Right. So. When he was he was political, he, he was quiet enough about it, and it, mm. it wasn't something that he'd ram down your throat either. Yeah, it was more by um, attraction. Me watching him doing few bits and pieces with, and, and around the area, so, gee, that's that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and that's then deadly, I, isn't I, it? And then mm. you'd see sometimes you'd, you'd hear him. He wouldn't be saying it to me, but as a young fella, he'd be listening, as 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 kids do, like a sponge. He'd be giving out, like he wouldn't get like the promotion and work because of his. Is, is association yeah, with, with Sinn Féin and the yeah. Republican movement and all that kind of stuff so I'd be listening to that and i said, hold on there's my dad who's a, a good guy yeah. you know, a really good guy does his best for his community looks after us the best way he can yeah. and then he's been he's been punished for, for his beliefs which is not right yeah. so that yeah. kind of got me again asking questions and saying that's not right I well, challenge that if I can. Like, like, yeah. that, that resonates so much with me because I still you know when you, whenever you're trying to explore different opinions I still think sometimes I find myself not fully expressing myself because I just and even though it's not something that like is completely like like unpolitically I know what correct, you're just yeah. being afraid to kind but of. But th- th- that's kind of just how today's age is, isn't it? Like you need. It was, it was like that back then as well yeah. in its own way. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, just a different way. Like yeah. the, the, today like, is probably more polarized with so, like so social media yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, and, and people are always looking for the likes and the ticks and all this kind of yeah. stuff on Facebook yeah. and all these all these things. Back then it was a little bit more, but it was still there. Yeah, I'm still there. Oh. That kind of. So like. In a way, Mark, would you say that you're like your 
your dad's unspoken voice type thing like I wouldn't say that now if you know my dad he might be a quiet enough man but he's, he's yeah. definitely not an unspoken man like, yeah, and he's yeah. well able to have, a, have his have well, his he'd opinion. definitely be proud of what you're oh, doing considering he had to kind of when, stay tight lipped the odd time fast forward to, to 2020 when I when I won the boy election 2019 when I won the boy election um, and he came in with me that day and that's the house and he said to me it was one of the proudest days that he ever had yeah. to see that he had a son that was able to go into Leinster House and become a TD because mm. he'd never seen it and it's sort of over the years he was wondering which way he was going to go as, yeah. as around this area you don't yeah. know like you know what I mean yeah, like, yeah. so he was delighted to see that and he was really really proud that mm. day as well to see that and then we went in there was a lot of lads that walked in Leinster House that he would have been in the army with because when they left the army they would have got jobs in Leinster so House that made him so he was, he was seeing a lot of lads that he was he was comrades with in the, in the army and yeah. he, he had a good a crack with them when he was in there yeah, yeah that, that's and, unbelievable yeah. and the, some of them still call me what like the, some of the lads that know me that would call me war in there and when there's somebody else around they call you deputy with the odd time how are you going how's it going there already yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is great like but that's like realistically no matter how old you yeah. are Mark I think everyone does strive for that from their parents to be yeah, told that, that power yeah, yeah. at the moment when do you know what I mean so yeah. what was that like for you oh, I was a big thing like it was lovely to hear that like you know what I mean it's yeah. not like it's not something like my dad's from a different generation, so it's not something that you hear every day growing up. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not something that like you, you know you, you like you know you don't you done something good. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You also know when you done something bad because you wouldn't be sure about letting you know yeah, either. 100%, uh, and yeah, hundred percent. And my mom was the same. But like he's like like it's a big thing being a TD. But I have two brothers and two sisters, and he's equally proud of us all and what we, what we've achieved of and course, how we've got yeah. on in life as well. And he and he has no problem saying that to them as yeah, well. Like that, you know, which is great. That's great to hear. Yeah. I have to say, yeah, that's like. It, it's obviously important to let people know when they're doing mm. good and give them the pat on the back and all that. But I suppose, Mark, like considering where you came from and what shit you were going through previous, that probably made it a bigger ordeal. So, like, you said you were, uh, you said you struggled a little bit with mental health and stuff. As, as a young man, probably not. Now, I've always had behavioural issues when I was in school, put it right. that way. So, I was always yeah. wondering. Uh, someone, I remember my mum saying to me, how come you're? How come I? How come I'm always getting caught? He said one day, and my mom says, "Because you're always doing it." Like, yeah. You know what I mean? That was my kind of way. I was always in the middle of something, and I was always, I was always getting myself into trouble. Now, not major, but very usual in, in, yeah. in, in school. So I wouldn't, as a young age, I wouldn't have had that. And it was only in thirteen years ago now, it is. Um, I would have got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Right. So it's yeah. We seen we yeah. seen the post on Facebook. So today. I would have got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis thirteen years ago, um, and being. Me and the generation that I thought I was from and being from this area, I, 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 I was, couldn't articulate, I was afraid to say how I was feeling. Mm. So I was telling everybody, right, I have this thing. After been years of being misdiagnosed and in and out of hospital, I finally got a diagnosis. Mm. And before... For, for people that don't know what it is, Mark, just give us a little quick... It's, it's, a, it's a neurological con- condition, right? So mm. the way I kind of, in layman's terms, this is the way I explained it to me, yeah. was explained to me. I asked someone to explain it to me one day so I can explain it to my children. Yeah, so exactly. So that's the best yeah, way. that's so, the best way. So yeah. it, it's like my... my my, my brain is a motherboard and my right. body is a circuit board and if, for something to get down so from the message to get from your from your motherboard through your circuit board say down to your hands it's usually not normally goes through normally but there's a break in my circuit board somewhere right. so it takes a little bit longer to get there and because it takes a little bit longer to get there my body has to work a little bit harder so it can it can result in me getting more fatigue it can also result in, in pain. It can also result in pins and needles and, and other signs like that. Okay. So it's just a break in the circuit board yeah. from the signals. That's yeah. the, probably the, the best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, but when I was first diagnosed, I was forced, and this is just going back to your original question about um, uh, mental health, I done Dr. Google. 
So I done Doctor Google and I, my head at the time wouldn't allow me to look at any of the good side of it. I went straight to the Course, negatives. As we all do, straight yeah. to the negatives. I seen the worst case scenario, and I, I, was, I was a young man. I, I had a young family at that stage, and and I, I couldn't see a way that I was going to be able to look after my kids. Right? Would you think I could say that to anybody? Not a oh, chance. Not, like, how are you doing, Mark? Fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Not a bother. Are we getting the MS? Oh, great. Yeah. No, Grant. Not a bother. And inside, I was terrified and frightened and all that kind of stuff. So over time. Um, I, I was isolating myself I wasn't engaging with my friends I was, I was pushing everybody away from me and I, I wasn't engaging with, I was still going to work and stuff but I wasn't engaging with society I had no kind of pushed everybody away because I was that kind of fearful um, and a really really frightening place to be I, I was suffering with depression but I didn't know I had depression Yeah. Right. So, and it's not something that I woke up one morning and I felt depressed it was a gradual thing over time Gosh, yeah. and not being able to speak and suppressing how I was feeling and bottling everything in. Um, <clears throat> and in that space, I would have lost jobs, relationships, all that kind of stuff kind of went while I was in that space because I was just not in the space to be able to, to speak to anybody. But I took a, a chance one day, um, and it, was a, a, it wasn't one of these rocket science things that you, it was a big thing. At the time I was, I just spoke to someone. It's why I'm speaking to you now. Yeah. I spoke to somebody. I, I told someone, listen, I'm, I'm terrified here. I don't yeah. know whether I'm going to be able to look after these kids when they get older. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm absolutely petrified. Mm. I, I said, and you know, the person I said it to turned around and says, should we all know that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we all know that. Like, we're yeah. trying to get you to say that for a long time. So, yeah. so what are you going to do about it? So that yeah. was the kind of, and it was that Torn simple kind of conversation. People, people don't understand, Mark, yeah. how powerful it is yeah, just yeah. to have a conversation. Yeah. Like, you're bottling that in for so long and all it's doing is building up and building up and building up, making things worse. How did you feel when you actually got it out? Oh, it was the same thing again. Like afterwards, you're, you're like, "Did I say that to anybody? Why, why did I say that to somebody?" Yeah. And then, but yeah, after, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, kind of questioning like, well, it. Yeah, I know what you mean because and you do that kind of thing. He's going to think that I am this, and you're yeah, like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You on. put yourself in yeah, a vulnerable yeah, position. You do, yeah, and, do you know and, and it's 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 not something that came natural to me growing up as well. Yeah. But saying that, it, it was it was probably the best thing that I ever done because uh, what I did do enabled me then to go and seek some sort of professional help in around the MS. Yeah. One of the biggest things I had to do was was accept that I had MS. Yeah. Because I couldn't accept that I had it. Yeah. I was like this like I, so I was I wasn't dealing with it at all. So once I started accepting that I had it, it allowed me then to start dealing with the MS uh, on that level, but also allowed me to deal with the the other stuff that was going on inside me and it allowed me to go and explore what was going on and yeah. how to deal with that and articulate how I was feeling. Yeah. So that's that was the start of it. I suppose from benefiting from having the conversation to then going counselling, mm. you said, look, if I look deeper into these things, I might be- keep on benefiting. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of allowed you down yeah. that road, yeah. And it wasn't big drastic changes either. Like there was, it was, and I've always uh, advocated, it's, it, you don't have to make big use changes. Yeah. But if you're, if you're making changes, all these small changes add up to bigger changes. 100%. So it, I, like I slowly started um, changing how I was eating. I stopped drinking alcohol for about six years at one stage. Yeah. Um, I started exercising a little bit. I started having conversations with people. I started having conversations with people that I would have pushed away, like my mother and families and friends and all that kind of stuff. Just having the conversation and say, right, this is where I am now. I know where I was, but this is where I am now. Yeah. And having them conversations. And slowly, things just got better. Like the way the, the depression creeped in, it creeped out as well yeah. because I started doing exactly. the right things like th- at yeah. that time, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's deadly, yeah. and I'm obviously delighted to hear you're in a better place oh, now yeah. because, I mean, it's it's not a, it's not a place to be in. So, 
You spoke about family there. You've kids there. How many kids have you got? I've three kids. I've three kids, all in different stages. So I've one in primary school, one in secondary school, and one in college. That's where my three are. So cool, yeah. I, I have the whole spectrum there <laughs> at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what do they make a daddy's job? Yeah, well, put it this way: the the other one is grand. She's twenty now, like so. She she she's grand. She's her own person. She's off yeah. working away. Now they're all their own people. But uh, I. I when it comes to election times and daddy's faces up over the posters and me big, <laughs> me big poster at Roller Shops there as yeah, well, like yeah, yeah. they get a little bit embarrassed. I'd say, here he goes again. But they're, they're used to it. Yeah. They know me. So I've been doing it as in, I was a councillor before I was a TD. I was the mayor of South Dublin and that year I was mayor, they would have came an awful lot of places with me mm. and they would have seen and experienced a lot of things that they, that they, that a lot of kids probably wouldn't have like different cultures and all that kind of stuff which was, which was brilliant for them yeah. when I opened their eyes but I, sell, I say I equally make them proud and embarrassed on a, a daily basis <laughs> well look the, the, the first <laughs> part would definitely make up for the second part I think and um, do you think there's any struggles with being in the public eye yeah, there's a, there's a few like you for know you I mean? and your family. Like, would there be? Listen, yeah, so I'm listen, I, I'm an ordinary bloke, but I'm in I'm in an extraordinary position. position you know yeah. what I mean? Really, am like you know what I mean? And yeah. like you have to kind of outweigh the good. Like the, the good definitely outweighs the bad. So I'm yeah. in a, I'm in a position now where I can influence change, and yeah. I can influence change that's going to make hopefully things better for the people that I represent. Yeah. So that's 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 my whole yeah. my my whole goal in this is to make things try and make things better for the people that I represent. And if I can do that, that's happy days. Yeah. There, okay, there is downsides. <clears throat> like you're, you're you're under the you're under the um microscope, you're in the public eye a little bit. You have to watch your P's and Q's sometimes. You have yeah. to kind of watch all that kind of stuff. How do you find that? I, I, similar, I, have a, I have a good circle of friends, right? So right. I'm around this good circle of friends. I, I can be Mark. Right. I can be, I can be Wardy that grew up around yeah. and in well, Ireland. I'm just thinking this. Like yeah. If you're going for a point, you yeah. have to be extra careful. So <laughs> my local is Finches. Right? Yeah, my local yeah. is Finches. I grew up the nearest house to Finches. Like my bedtime story was here right there, folks. Please. That's how close <laughs> I grew, grew up <laughs> to the fold, right? So, and I, and I don't drink that much, but I, I do go over. I can't go at the moment because of the yeah. restrictions. But it's a Sunday afternoon. I'd go over and have a few points. And I'll be having a few points with the same lads that I grew up with. Yeah. So they, there's no airs and graces. So it, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's, I'm just back to myself. And I love it. Because yeah. yeah. I, I can be shot back down to air to the, in an act or yeah. all that kind of crack. The, the bit of banter that goes on, which is great. But other places you go, you kind of do have to kind of watch yourself a little bit when yeah. you're out that you're... It's just all about yeah. reading people, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And kind of what you're... Le- like, we were only talking about this before you came up. Like, we, like we, we didn't know what type of bloke you were, Mark. Obviously, we've seen some interviews. And we didn't know, like, like what way do we carry ourselves. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, he is. He's just like one of us, which is great to see. And obviously, the lads would help you come down to earth and it kind of reminds you of certain scenarios when you do go for a point you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. so I'd say that helps do you find being a TD brings long hours physically and mentally like do, obviously at home I'm constantly thinking of it because I don't know how you'd switch off as a TD if you ever switch off I switched off now for example this is a good thing no, <laughs> yeah. so it's not no, this is not the usual but yeah. it, it is long hours and now at the moment because of the restrictions the hours aren't as long because we're on, we're on restricted hours yeah, and all exactly. now. I'd like to get back to where we were when we were getting uh, how would you put it we are getting full days in the door which allows us to, to, to speak more and get more things done but at the moment just because restrictions are not um, I'm from this area and I'm from I represent the whole of Dublin Midwest so right up to 
Desagard to Newcastle, Rock Hill. I was, that, I was actually wondering um, that I didn't know how far. Newcan. So that's that's all the areas that we that we represent. Like so, yeah. it's a it's a wide area. Mm. So there's there's issues that come on. Sometimes same issues across all, all the area. Like housing will be something that come in, comes in from everywhere. And then you'd have particular issues in different areas. Like schools will be an issue kind of up in Lucan at the moment. Access to um, for kids on on the spectrum to secondary school is an issue down this end at the at the moment that which, right. which we're working on, and people will contact you. Ah, uh, whatever. Like I yeah. wake up, I go to bed tonight, and I get up to, in the morning, and I'll check me me messages on my phone. I check me Facebook messages. I check me Instagram messages. Um, anything like, there's loads of ways that people can contact you now and mm. I do my best always to get back to people as quickly as I can in fairness Mark from everyone I've spoken yeah. about you they've said that you've been very responsive mm. like so hats off to you for that no, I, I've always like, and that's going back to what I was saying years ago so I remember being around this area and we had no representation really mm. um, and I remember my mother asking for a, a hand off a, a politician at the time that was because you hadn't got there was no Sinn Féin TD around yeah, here yeah, yeah. so it was outside of, of Sinn Féin and feeling let down then because the person never even got back to her. She says, wouldn't mind if he got back to me and said, listen, I can't do that for you, Mrs. Ward, but I'll, this is the reason why. She said, I'd respect that. Yeah. Said, but he, the man never got back to me. I wasn't worth the time. So it's one thing I always do is do my best to get back to everybody that gets back and touch me. Now, sometimes I mightn't be able to get back with the answer that you're looking for. Of course. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a terrier sometimes. So if I get me teeth into an issue... I'd say, right, just because we're told no doesn't mean it's it's a definite it's no. A no yeah. like we might be have to go around the houses a little bit and look at getting this done a different way and, and, and seek me explore how we get it done. So that's another way of getting things done. And, so and do you ever do you ever struggle then to kind of come to terms when you can't help someone that you know needs help and you just know with your resources that there's nothing you can do. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. you know it's really because yeah, that that would be hard, like especially like when you are trying your best and you just can't so get it over Individual the ones are, are can be really, really difficult. And, and the spokesperson for mental health for Sinn Féin, um, and I hear some horrendous cases on a daily basis, on individual horrendous cases. It's sometimes very, very difficult for me to help that individual in that crisis that they're in because of the, the system that's out there for mental health provision at the moment. Mm. The way I kind of deal with that is that I'm looking for system, systemic change, trying to get the, the system change in order to have better services. So less people would be getting in touch with me like that person and if the system is fit for purpose that person will get the help that they needed yeah. so that's the kind of way I look at it um, well I might be able to help somebody now I listen to them I'll talk to them um, I'll point them in the right direction I'll try my best but sometimes you just can't fix that situation for that person there and then and it can be quite frightening and acute and, 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 and for, for people when they're in that kind of trauma the other thing as well I mentioned the ASD kind of um like doing a lot of work as well around with kids that are looking to get that are on the autism spectrum and looking to get the treatment that they need. Yeah, the system is a mess, mm. absolute mess. Like is I get pre and post COVID. Uh, like? So it, it was a problem. It was a huge problem. It was a it was a it was a, a crisis pre COVID mm. and it's an emergency post COVID. Mm. So all of COVID done is exasperated the, the problems that were out there. So it's really really when you're getting letters back and I'm the one getting the letters back in the HSE. And having to send it out to a parent where you're saying they're forty gonna be forty months waiting for speech and language, they're gonna be forty months waiting for occupational therapy, they're gonna be forty months waiting for whatever else that mm. that, that serves child psychology, whatever it might be, and you're saying, I I'm breaking my heart, but I'm not the one that's the child that yeah. the mother or the father, that child that's mm. opening that letter. So I've been doing a fair bit of work and pushing that and trying to get that changed as well at the moment as well. That that's scary because when kids are that age, like that, type oh, of, that, that time span is massive, is, especially yeah. for, te- for speech therapy and 
anything and, and that's what one of my biggest fears with, with everything that's going on now is kids regressing and i saw my own kids uh, and particularly callan who was four he regressed so much socially when lockdown first yeah, happened yeah. they weren't even allowed, allowed outside as such and he regressed so much and then when i started kind of like you know the kids in our in our local cul-de-sac started playing with each other again and just kind of being a bit more close brought so much back in them mm. so mm. it kind of shows you that you know at that age like 40 weeks i can't even imagine 40, 40 months is 40, uh, months, 40 months is is three years and four months in a child's life so if you're if you're four That's fucking if you're four when you go on to this list you're you're nearly seven and a half before you get your first appointment for speech and language so you can imagine how how if you're if you're deemed to need speech and language at the age of four and you're not getting it to, to seven and a half yeah you can imagine how much you've regressed in that time yeah like it, like if you get the early interventions in it's actually going i'll, I'll put it in Fine Gael language economically it'll change 100 it, it'll save the to stay a hell of a lot of money yeah. but the fact that they're, they're just moving kids like the, ch- the children's ombudsman said to me at the committee meeting they're moving kids from list to list without getting the service they need. It's an old-fashioned three-car trick. And that's the children's ombudsman yeah. saying that. So if he's saying that, it, there's a problem. So it's something that we're looking to get changed and we're looking mm. to make progress. We have made a little bit of progress, but every time I think I'm getting an answer, I'm getting more questions and answers. And so it's, it's we're walking away through it. Yeah, I'd say it's yeah. tough. Especially yeah. having your own kids as well. Like yeah, I yeah. know it gives you that drive to, mm. to try that bit harder, you know. But yeah, that's, that, that's a fucking joke, isn't mm. it? Um. So, obviously, with situations like this, Mark, do people ever get annoyed, angry, upset with you? Because let's face it, you're you're just a messenger. Mm. Yeah, like it's not up to you to fix everything. You're not Superman, but I know that w- w- when someone confines in someone, and like you're obviously saying you try your best or whatever, but it's like when you come back with something they don't want to hear. Mm. Like I'm sure you've had umpteen stories of how you were treated and how you felt after you were treated like that and like that must have an impact yeah, so it does so a lot of times not a lot of times but it doesn't happen that often right so yeah. most times people will respect that you're actually are doing your best and, and the way i kind of teach when i'm talking to people i try to do it in the best way possible so I, i'm a behavioral therapist and i'm a counselor for addiction counselor as well so that was my kind of background so it learned me skills over the years that yeah. i use now it's not in a way to manipulate any situation it's in it's in a way that you can give somebody bad news but trying to still keep them give them hope at the end of that bad yeah, news yeah. as well yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. believe in um, giving people false hope either I don't yeah. believe in bullshitting people yeah, I really 100%. don't believe in bullshit because you're, you're not doing them a service yeah. so when somebody's ringing me up after I'm on the housing list the year mark uh, will I be getting housing next year or two not a chance you're yeah. not a chance no yeah. no point bullshitting it's, a, it's a 10 year waiting list at the moment I said it's not good enough I agree to 100% they stop building houses and you're going to be the victim of that yeah. until things change I said that's the way it is but this is what I can do here and now that might help your housing situation yeah. it won't be your forever home or your council home yeah, but, but it we'll, might be something that will keep a roof over your head for the yeah, next while we'll get so your boy. I think people respect that kind of bluntness Sometimes, as you to go back to your original question, sometimes people will get angry with you. Mm. And I, I know myself, and I have a good way of deflecting that. It's not, it's not at me. Yeah, it's at, yeah. it's at yeah. the system. But I'm human. Yeah, so exactly, if you're getting yeah. that after a couple of Too times, much, a couple yeah, of times, yeah, yeah. it can it, 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 it can it can affect you a little bit as well. I'd struggle with that now. I know that. Yeah, I'd struggle with that. See, see because you've done the work, mm. though, you know, like oh, I've done a lot of counselling, Mark, and I know from counselling that, like that's benefited me a lot. I know that certain people. They're haunting and they're trying to yeah, take yeah. it on me. So you just try to kill them. Like, well, one of my favourite sayings is, you can't be 
a cunt basically to someone that's constantly nice to you. Mm. You yeah. just can't. It's yeah. impossible. Like if you're constantly name calling me or hitting me, and I'm not doing that and back, but complimenting you, it's only a matter of time before you come down to my level and yeah, yeah. and start chatting to me. So that that's huge for you, I'd say. It um, is. Well, after doing all that work previously, that I can only imagine how but, beneficial. But saying that as well, what you're saying there as well, there's, there's still a line. So if there's a line crossed, yeah, exactly. I, 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 I have my own self to look after. And exactly. I, yeah. And I will have that conversation back with that yeah. person. And say, listen, you have to cross the line there. Yeah. I'm yeah. not here to take that abuse. I'm not here to be threatened. Yeah, exactly. I'm not here to like if you if you want to threaten to go to somebody else, but I'm not taking that yeah. off you. And I'll be very outstraight with it. Yeah, and you know it, I mean? like, that's actually what I was trying to yeah. say as well. Like it's like huge respect for that because transparency in your game is mm. I think the number one thing needed. If your bullshit is always get found out, lawyers mm. always get found out. So the fact that you are transparent, mm. it's just it's just gonna benefit everyone, yeah, yeah. you know? Um do you ever feel like people expect too much of you? Sometimes when you're trying to, sometimes when people are looking for something and we have this kind of, especially with the likes of social media now at the moment, like they have this instant gratification that people are looking for instant kind of results. Yeah, yeah. And when they're getting in touch with you and you're saying, this, this is the process, I said, and you're telling them, explain this, I don't agree with this process. I believe if I could magic a house out of the sky today, mm. you'd have that tomorrow and sort it, you'd be happy days. Yeah. But this is this is where we are now. And, and you're trying to walk them away through the, the, the situation that's going in. Like or people ring you up on uh, on a Friday evening, and you're saying, "My heating's gone, Mark." I said, "Right." I said, "Okay." I said, "I can't do that until Monday." Yeah. Uh, and they're like, "But my heating's gone. Can you not get the sorted?" I said, "Right." <laughs> I, I said, "I can." I said, "What I can do is I can ring the out of our service in the council for you yeah. and email you, but they're not going to look to till Monday." Till Monday yeah. So I said, "So sometimes people are like a bit taken aback and have yeah. a go with you a little bit, but that's all right as well." Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, you always think there's like a, a bat line, isn't there? Like there's a special line that you have, but like <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just really not. <laughs> yeah. It's Monday and that's it. Yeah. But you, but you have like as a as a TD and as a councillor, like you, you do have. Now it shouldn't work that way. You should be able to pick up the phone yeah. to the council and yeah. get the the answers. They're yeah. getting. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, you that should be. You have Everybody should. Yeah, but yeah. but what, the way it is, the, the the systems are set up that I can ring up and I have this uh, kind of an email system where I will get an answer back quicker. Yeah, yeah and I'll be able exactly. to put a bit of pressure on. Yeah. But not. The normal job soap should be able to do that. Well, it should they though? Because would everyone not be fucking flooding the emails then? Like, is it not better to go to the TD for shit like that? You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're here to help, but there should be a way that the like the best way people can help themselves is helping themselves. Yeah, like, yeah, cut exactly. out the middleman. If you can get yeah. something sorted, you don't need your TD. Yeah. Like, but a lot of times people, because the systems are there, they'll have to come to a TD in order to get yeah to unravel it basically. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so you touched on social media there. I can only imagine being a politician in this day and age because if like if you do something wrong, Mark, or if you don't, not necessarily something wrong, but if you don't produce to what someone's expectations are, like they could put loads of shit on Facebook, and obviously that's damaging true or not true. Mm. Have you ever had anything like that, or do you ever think of that? So the social media works in both ways, right? Yeah. So I've often thought back in the day when there was no social media, right? Yeah. So the lads that were there, like John McCann and all, and them lads that went before me. But they were trying to get that message out. It's yeah. very difficult for them to get to let people know what they're doing. Yeah. So it was, it was all leaflets and it's very hard to leaflet every area, all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. So it was a lot more difficult. Mm. Now, I, if I do something like today, I, I don't, whatever I'm doing, it's up on social media. Yeah. People can see the work I'm doing. It's open and it's transparent. Yeah. That works. Yeah. The other side of it is you'll always get people that will either not like you, they might be from a different political bar- background, they might be these trolls that are out there yeah. that just constantly, constantly target you. Yeah. Um, so you, you learn to deal with them in your own way as, as you go on. Now, sometimes I'd, I'd know, I'd say it outright, if, if it, I'm getting trolled and it's constant, 
you're blocked, pal. Yeah. Good luck to you. Yeah. And I won't take that because some of the stuff that's to be said is not nice. Yeah, I wouldn't let my kids saying annoying, it. Yeah. I wouldn't let my kids saying I'm it. Sure yeah. if you, I'm sure if you see criticism and you kind of say, right, I can see where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone, if everyone oh, yeah. sees someone's point, but I suppose you can see the trolls and someone's yeah. just actually got a message that doesn't make sense, yeah. you have to just block them because they just take up space in your timeline. Yeah, and, and you, you made a very valid point. Sometimes people, somebody's having a go at you and you look at it and you say, do you know what? They're right. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I could have yeah. done that, or I we could have done something different yeah. there. And you know what? Next time that comes up, I'm gonna I'll give that a go. Yeah. So yeah. it's not all just because somebody is not agreeing with you. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's a negative thing. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So you can you can Sometimes use that. Sometimes it as well. can be beneficial. Yeah. Already, yeah. Uh, what's the hardest thing about being a politician? Do you think? What's the hardest thing? You know what? Sometimes it can be frustrating, and because I can see things within the mental health system. Mm. That I would change tomorrow that would make things better yeah. for people. Now, ask me would I fix the whole mental health system tomorrow? No. Yeah. But I could make things changes now, today, that would make things better for people. And over time, it, everything would start getting gradually better. What's frustrating about it is that we're not in government. Mm. So, and because we're not in government, it's it's more difficult for us to get things done. Yeah. Now, saying that, we're at the getting an awful lot of stuff done. We said at the start we were going in, we would be the most, um, with the best opposition that the, that the state has ever seen. And I think we've been, I'm not just saying that myself, but on my own soapbox, we've managed to get a no, number of bills through. Like, for example, I think, was mine the first to get through without debate? I think I had this bill, the parity of esteem, it was called, between mental health and physical health. So, basically, if you hurt your head on the outside, no matter what time of the day it is, mm-hmm. you'll get looked after. Exactly. If you have something going on inside your head, you mightn't get the same service. Like mental yeah. health issues don't stop between nine uh, after nine to five and don't take a break for the weekend. Mm-hmm. That they can happen any time. Exactly, so yeah. that was just, just to get the two kind of and also about budgets. It also make sure there was enough budget there for mental health. And um, that bill passed second stage. So it went through without debate. So and the Moore Street one at the weekend, last weekend around a, a cultural co- quarter was another one that we got through. So uh, owner Brain had a couple of housing bills that we managed to get through. So we're getting stuff done. Yeah. Right? We are getting stuff done. It, it can be frustrating is that if we were in government, we'd be able to get a lot of things done a lot quicker and a lot yeah, better yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. But we're still doing well, yeah. So that's 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 a difficult part of it. Yeah, and w- w- why is mental health so important to you, Mark? Why, because it affects everybody. Like, there's not a debate that happens in Leinster House that doesn't involve mental health. There's not a decision at that cabinet table, whether it's housing, whether it's health, whether it's transport, whether it's business, wherever it might be, whether mm. it's, it's, it's you guys and uh, to do with the media, wherever it might be, that doesn't have an impact on people's mental health. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really important. What's, and what's, what's hurting people at the moment is the, the government that's thrown out these platitudes that we're all in this together. We're all, we're all in the same boat. We're not all in the same boat. I agree. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, s- s- some of them have yachts. Yeah. Some of them are all paddling their own canoes, and some of us have had to be, Koyaks. and some of them had to be fucked overboard, and that's the other side of it as well. Like yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. just left, left it around the voices. So that's really, really frustrating. And they're coming out with with a ten million additional funding for for mental health. Now we'll be coming out. with I'm doing a press release on that tomorrow. Like that, that money is not getting down to the frontline services around this area or around any area. So we don't see the benefits of that. So they, they throw these things out. An extra ten million for mental health. Where's it going? Who's going to benefit from this? Like you mm. know what I mean? Like so it's. It's all that kind of stuff. So it is important because if, if you're mentally, if, if, you're me- if you're mentally unwell, it's very, very difficult for you to do anything else then at that stage because yeah. you're, in a, you're in a situation where everything is dark. Mm. And if you're in that kind of really, really dark place, it's, it's difficult. It's not impossible, but it's yeah. difficult for you then to, to start doing other things that's going to make yourself feel better and make society feel better and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So it, it is something that's, that's really important. 
And what I suppose, like, ideally, would you hope to achieve regarding mental health? Like, what is the fucking end goal? Like, yeah, the end goal is access to services. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's access it's to services. It's that simple. Like, yeah. it's, it's access to services. It's getting the help you need when you need it and where you need it. Mm. That's it. Right. Yeah. Now, that's not too much to ask. No. Right? It's not. And mm. if. Like we we've seen money being thrown left, right, and centre during this pandemic at this and that, which and a lot most of it is needed, so we're not going to argue with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But if there's the same kind of um how would you put it, the same focus that had been put on mental health over the years, mm. you, we wouldn't end the problem we're in now. Like we have at the moment ten thousand people waiting on a public uh, psychologist, eight, eight and a half thousand of them are children. Yeah. We've another two and a half thousand children waiting for calms. So you know what I always said, Mark? Uh, I'm saying it for years to myself. Obviously, my voice isn't going to be heard by just venturing out, but I do always say it. There should be some form of doctor in a surgery that deals with mental health okay. alone. Yeah. So every doctor surgery should have someone dealing with mental health. Mm. Like what you said, you cut your finger, you have a cough, you have a cold, you go to a fucking doctor. Mm. When you feel like that, you should be able to go straight away somewhere. So, Even like obviously you don't get seen straight away, but right, you have to wait there for three hours. Right, I'll wait here. I fucking need it. If I don't get this help in three hours, I'm going down the fucking park and I'm so, getting a rope. One of the things you asked me, like, how would I make things better? So one of the things that we had, and we had an alternate budget, and it's also in the document that I had out there last week or the week before last, um, is and that's in relation to that. And I met with the GPs, and this this is this is the GPs telling me. This would work for them. Yeah. If they had, now if they don't say need to be a specialist GP, that's their mental health, but if they had somebody that they could refer yeah. somebody to, well, an accredited counsellor, yeah. an accredited, accredited therapist, wherever it might be, they have a pool of them, they'll pick up the phone and say, right, there's Jay, listen, I, okay, I know someone that might be able to help you. I'm going to give Jason a ring. The GP picks up the phone, listen, I have this lad here, when can you see him? I can see him today, I can see him tomorrow. Mm. Off you go then, and that's 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 the that's the engagement and that's the direct service that people are looking for. Yeah. But GPs have also told me they'd be able to. A lot of them have their own practices where their own clinics where they be have Jason next door. So mm. you go into the GP. Listen, I'll see if he got space for you in there, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And then you have that continuity of care. So primary healthcare centres are meant to work that way. And many of you got in Dublin Midwest. No, that's the big red building that's down at Ballyferm as you go down at Cherry yeah, Orchard. Yeah. That's a primary healthcare centre. Right. Many of you got in Dublin Midwest. Now that takes in Palmerstown, Condock, and Luke, and Newcastle, Sagard, Britis. Um, are we missing that? We've none. <laughs> not one in right. the whole of Dublin Midwest. There's plans for them, but they're not anywhere near fruition at the moment. Yeah. So that's the problem. That's one of the other problems that we have. We haven't got the access. We haven't got the structures in place, I should say. It's it's interesting what you said about COVID because I thought the same thing when people are so stubborn and they say, like, um, for years they've been saying, we can't make that change. It's too drastic, too drastic. But what COVID has shown is how much can change. Now, we know it was unnecessary in, in because of what was going on, but it showed how much things could change in a short space of time, how much money they could find yeah. and pump it into, into areas. And I think, obviously, the biggest problem with mental health is that it has been underfunded for... Yeah, for so many years. Yeah, so it is. It, it's interesting to see how much change can can happen. Um, and I think it's something actually I've heard Sinn Fein talk about as well. Um, you know, th- th- it is a, a huge irony that you know now now they have all this money and they can put money in here and put money in there, but uh, it wasn't available up to this point or it wasn't feasible up to this point, and now it is. And it's going back to what I said. It's still a parity of esteem, just to have the same kind of parity of esteem between mental health and physical health. Like at the moment, the state provides 5.2% of its overall health budget for mental health, okay? Last year, it was 6.1%. So we dropped this year in the middle of a pandemic. The world's launch of care, which is this document that the government go back to all the time, recommends a minimum of 10% of the overall health budget. And the World Health Organization 
recommends 14%. We're at 5.2%. So that goes to show where, where, where mental health is on the table of when the, what the government want to get done. It's mm. always put... They, they'll acknowledge it, they'll give you platitudes, they'll pat you on the back, they'll stand up and give you a clap, but will they, will they resource it? Will they put the proper structures in place? Not at the moment. And like what you said, Mark, like, economically, in the long run, mm. it'll benefit everybody. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, a, a lot of people at the moment, because and you mentioned COVID, are experiencing mental health issues for the very first time. 100%. It's a, it, and if you haven't experienced it before, now it's, more a, than ever, it's yeah. a really, really frightening place yeah, to be. Yeah. It's frightening. And if you're going to your GP and your GP is, is doing his best he's, and the, he or she is talking to you yeah. and he's like, okay, where can I send this person? And there's nowhere to, nowhere yeah. to send yeah. them. So it, that's the really, really difficult thing. Now, I just want to throw that out there. If anybody's listening that is struggling, go to your GP because each different community and each different area have different facilities in it. Yeah. He might be able to recommend something for you. Mm. But it is difficult for you to get the services that you need for on a long-term basis. Yeah. Um. I suppose that the next thing I was going to say, and this kind of going to finish up on the mental health side of things, Mark, is I personally think that if more is done in schools, there'll be less mental health issues, full stop. If we're all educated from a young age, we'll understand it more. We'll understand how to deal with things more. We don't like, look how long it took for you to speak up. Mm. And that's the same for everybody. That's it. There's, well, 90%, I'd say are the people that lock it in you know so like is there more that can be done in schools as well like should like we focus on these subjects that aren't really important like i genuinely feel like mental health not should be a topic but should be at least talked about once a year mm. in schools like is that is that something that can happen like is like how would you go about bringing something like that in because that's where it starts. There, there is modules in schools and, and, and they have, they, it's resilience building, it's kind of, so building people up to resilience and how to deal with that. Now, there's, are they, is that enough of them? No. Yeah. Are they, are they intensive enough? Probably not either. Yeah. So the, what, it, what it does is it builds up your skills and your ability and how to deal with something when life throws a, a wobbly at you basically. So if you have something going on in your life, especially with social media at the moment, I'd, I'd hate to be a kid growing up in this day and age. It's mm. very, very difficult because yeah. everything you're looking for, you're looking for your, you're looking for your likes and your, your, your acknowledgement of your peers and at the same time they can be really, really critical to you through this, the media, social media. And if you haven't got the resilience and the, 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 the inner belief or the inner ability to help, how to deal with that, yeah. it can be quite a frightening place for a young person to be. Mm. So th- th- there's definitely needs to be resilience building in school. Yeah. There definitely needs to be a, I think we need to be a more kinder society. Um, it, 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 yeah. it, it needs to be a way that when people know, when people do something that they realise that they've done something wrong, and they realise that this is the effect that that has. Yeah. And hopefully that would be a way that would balance it out. Listen, we're all, I've made loads of mistakes as a ah, young course, man. We've all made mistakes. My kids are going to make mistakes. Everybody makes yeah, mistakes. Yeah, exactly. But if, if, if you can walk in a way that when you make that mistake, that you kind of learn from that mistake mm. and you realise, okay, this this has an impact on Jason by me doing that. Yeah. I mightn't do it. I think twice about doing that again. Yeah. So if you can walk in a, way, a kinder way that we're a little bit more reaching out to people, yeah. I think that would work in schools as well. Uh, and I think it is improving. Mm. I, I, I think like a lot of kind of parents this day and age, because we grew up in a different society and mm. our egos aren't as big yeah. as what they used to be do you know what I mean so we are able to talk about these things a lot more than what we used to be I was very enthused there last two years ago I was the mayor of South Dublin at the time there was a a a really there was was a situation within the community where a young lad was hurt and the community got together and and they they, they had a a rally and basically walked around Neilstown and it was a vigil basically 
Um, and I was, I was lucky enough, I walked up the front of the vigil and all the young kids with me. And I knew a few of them, the fathers and their mothers and some of them. Like, and I was listening to them talking to each other about the, the, the situation that had happened in the community, about what happened to their friend. Mm. And I, was, I, I came around there and I was lifted. Mm. Like, they were having a conversation with each other and they were supporting each other. Yeah. And, they, and they were looking out for each other. I said, you know what, that's, that's something that's, that's good. About, yeah. Now, the difference between that, uh, when I was growing up, to then, the likes of Jigsaw, and you know, we had Susan Doyle on recently, yeah. who would, would have been unbelievable in getting the likes of that service in here. Jigsaw were in the community at the time. Yeah. That, that gave people a, a, a space where the young people a space where they could go and speak about how they were feeling because that was alien to me growing up and I thought that was really really uh, the, the beneficial of having the likes of a service like Jigsaw and I must say you throw me I used to work for them years ago myself the Rollingstone Youth Service or the CYC I think they're called Crosscare I think they're called this this week because they went through that many name changes they do a, a lot of work with the, with the young kids same with the Quarryvale Community Centre as well they do a lot of really, really good work and all that kind of stuff with the young kids out there. And I think what's happening at the moment is as well is it's because of COVID, young kids are kind of getting a bit of a bad name yeah. because they're out and about and they're hanging around with their friends. And it's it's quite difficult to be a young person 100%. and without, without people looking at you and saying, listen, they're just doing what now. I had to follow public health guidelines and all that kind of stuff. But when you're talking, when you're talking to people that are dealing with some, helping some of these kids, so, Mark, what do these kids do if home is not the safe place? Mm. If home is the pro, is, is, is it's it's safer for them to be out in the street than it is to be at home. Yeah. You have to kind of balance that out as well. Of course, like, 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 Mark, imagine you're that, yeah, uh, fair point. Imagine your man trying to keep you in as a teenager. It wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can't be hypocrite. Yeah, we were we were all Yeah, we'd be all yeah. running amok. Like you need you need fucking um but saying that as well, you, you can like and I've seen I've seen kids walking on the road and that they're keeping a distance. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like they're keeping that they're, yeah. they're, they're talking to each other. So I think we have to trust our young people a little bit. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Trust them, have the conversation with them. So this is like this is what we're this is the public health guidelines. Do your best to adhere to them because if you don't, we could be in this lock, lock, lockdown longer than what we yeah, are. Exactly. But if, if you can work on that kind of basis, trust them. Yeah. Give them a bit of trust because yeah. they because they, they will repay it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Definitely. So you say you you mentioned Susan there. Susan actually texted me earlier, Mark, and she just wanted me to give you a little shout out because she said you're the only TD in the community helping the most vulnerable people during the pandemic. You've been handing out masks since last year. So Susan just wanted to say thanks okay. very much for everything you do. I'll join her in and say fair play to you on that as well. Um. So I suppose we we'll we'll touch on a little bit of the champagne champagne. Champagne. Open it up there, Dino. If it's champagne, then we wouldn't be sorry. Yeah, yeah, we'll touch on the champagne side of things. Um so I suppose like for people that aren't really political, um, Mark, that are kinda looking to be p- political and looking to get a bit more insight because I would, I'd like to know a bit more mm. and I don't, you know what I mean? So I suppose, l- like what you said, try and explain it to a kid that I always say is explain it like Apple because Apple tried to simplify everything, <laughs> right? So um, w- what does the party stand for? To me, I'll go back to what I said. So to me, it was the attraction. It was mm. attracting my community activism, right? Yeah. And to me, that's what, Jim Fain were to me when I was growing up. They were they were an active uh, community activist party within my community. Right. I was always um, and through my father as well and 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 others. I was always kind of how would you put it? Um, I was always I always marvelled and I was always wondered about the nineteen sixteen rising. I always had that in me. I yeah. said, what what was that? Jesus, if I was around, what would I have done then? Would yeah. I? I'd like to think that. I, I would be in the middle of the rising with Pierce and Connolly and I'd be standing side and side. But the reality is, if I was a young person 
and living from this background where I grew up in, yeah. I'd be probably one of the looters. And yeah. that's that's the reality of it. Like when you look yeah. at it that way. Yeah. But I was always kind of I always marvelled at these lads and said, How did they do that? Going out and they knew they were putting their lives on, on the line, but I'm wanting a better society. So that nineteen sixteen stuff was always something that was really, really kind of uh, how would you put it? I was really, really interested in. Yeah. I was really, really passionate about. And then over time, like the likes of like I was show me A's now. So I would have been six when Bobby Sands died, but I remember when yeah. Bobby Sands died. Yeah. Because I remember the conversations around the house and in, within the community and it was always this kind of eerie kind of respect and uh, that people had for Bobby Sands and and when he died then the the, the outpouring of emotion that was that was going on. I still remember that. Like and yeah. I, like that's going back forty years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty years this year. Yeah. Um so I still re- I still remember that. So that got me kind of really, really encouraged into that kind of Irish history and, and reading on that and, and saying, hold on for a second. And you're looking at the civil rights stuff that happened in the north and the six counties where one side of the, the, the population were being systematically victimized or brutalized by the other side of the population, ju- just down to government policies. Mm. And that's all it was. Government policies favored one side over the other side. And that, that, that led to the kind of civil rights stuff that led to, to, uh, to, to Derry and all that kind of stuff that happened then after that, then Bloody Sunday. So they, they were all stuff that I would have been kind of acutely aware of growing up and I would have took a lot of interest in and I said, being around like kind of other young kind of Republicans and um, and senior Republicans growing up, you you'd be listening to the the stories. You be you be kind of educating yourself without even knowing that you're excuse me that you're educating yourself as well. My career guidance teacher was the legendary Republican Rose Dugdale. So right. I Rose Dugdale. Rose Dugdale was a is um she she was eighty there the other day I sent her an Alberti card she she was being a few scratch cards and she would have been a, a um legendary Republican that would have she would have gave her life for the cause she was an English aristocrat and realised that the or, or the Irish people were being treated by by the by the British really really bad and she decided to take a stand with the with the Irish people she would have spent a lot of time in prison and that and that kind of stuff as well and she would have devoted her whole life to re- republicanism she was my career guidance teacher now. That's mental. <laughs> we'd be in school, and you'd be t- she'd be in fairness. The rose she'd be talking about different career paths that we go on, and we we just be we know our background, and we'd mention something about, and she'd go in and tell us a story, and that was great for us, like because we were getting all this education and, and yeah. all this kind of Republican kind of stuff. So she was she was really really good, really good influence on my life as well. Like I had a lot of time for her, but people like that. So that's what attracted me to to, to Sinn Fein. But Sinn Fein, Sinn Fein in particular have some heroes when you think about it. When you look back to the nineteen sixty and the hunger strikes, and I and I was only thinking about this because I watched a, a film the other day about um oh sorry, I was watching a film the other day about um South African activists um these guys that escaped from the prison, and it made me think. And, and I know I mentioned that the uh, before the podcast that's the forty year anniversary of the hunger strikes. And to think about the the devotion that they had, like it's one thing picking up picking up a gun and fighting for your country, it's another thing going against your actual own will to like starve yourself and the dedication that takes. I just that blows me away to be honest. So mm. that's one of the things that when I look at, I suppose, um, and I know, like I mean, this is historically, but um, I mean, the, the the power behind the movement of Sinn Fein, like from that point, um, for me, it was like that's in the modern age that is the most significant one for me because it's like really powerful like yeah. I, I haven't se- really seen anything like that since um that level of devotion you know anywhere like i mean hunger strikes happen across the world obviously but especially in in, in the western world you don't see that anymore like that was probably the last stand really for 
for, for civil rights for, for what they were really standing for. There was a lot more happened then after the hunger strikes where a lot of people would have put their lives in the lines and would and would have would have gave their lives to Republicans as well. So the hunger strike was was, was kicked was, it off, I suppose. Yeah, it would have been like it was it was like it was poignant. Like I'm actually reading the book again. Like I, I take it out every so often and I'll have a read around it and and, and trying to get the insight into the psyche of, of of like you'd like to think if that was me would I be able to do that yeah the, 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 the ego in me would say oh, of course I would but the, the reality is yeah. it takes a lot of inner strength to be able to be able to give your life to the cause that you believe in so much mm. so you, you don't know unless you're in that situation and 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 hopefully we'll never be in that situation yeah. because things have moved on but it's only moved on because of the likes because of Bobby of it, yeah. Sands and, and, yeah. and the other nine hunger strikers and anybody else that was involved in the Republican movement to get devoted their life to it that's why things have moved on to the stage now where we're, we're able to have these conversations where yeah. people didn't we had, we're, we're on the stage now where we, we we are the largest opposition party in the state we're the biggest party on the island of Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So we, we, we've come a long way, yeah, but we wouldn't have came anywhere without but all the people. Yeah. And I'm not just going to the hunger strikers, but everybody in the movement that, that came yeah. before us have made it easier. It's a lot easier. And I've only said it recently. It's a lot easier for me to be a Republican in 2021 than it was for John McCann back in the 80s and Tommy Grant yeah. back in the 80s. That, and there was, and it, was, it was even harder then for the people that were before, before them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. every 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 kind of generation um, has made it easier in a way that were... They're paving the way. They're paving the way. They're laying yeah. down the foundations for us. Like. So yeah. that's that's the way I look at it, yeah. And, yeah. and do, you, do you see United Ireland... In, in our in our time, without a doubt, yes. Yeah. So listen, and the, the thing in is, in our time, you, be, you I, believe I, that yeah? I, I, the conversations are happening. Mm. So the conversations are happening. What we need to do is plan for it. So what we need to do is have a government in place that's going to plan for it. Will it happen tomorrow? Probably not. Will it happen in five years' time? It could do. Now we're not putting the time on it, yeah. but we need to plan for it. So there's no point having a united Ireland, and it's like. Ireland that we have now yeah, where we yeah, have yeah. no access to services where we have all these problems yeah, that's exactly, going on yeah. so we have a chance it's an opportunity mm, to a big to, opportunity yeah. to, to create a, an island a, a, a 32 county island that's a better place for all its citizens everybody mm, Yeah, and we have that opportunity but we need to plan for it we need to see what will the education system look like what will the health system look like what will what will the social welfare system look like what will the economic system look like all that kind of stuff mm. And we need to start planning for it now. The problem is the government at the moment are just giving a lip service. If 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 it happens next year or the year after, are we ready for it? The way it's laid out is in the Good Friday Agreement. So the Good Friday yeah. Agreement lays out that there uh, is a border poll mm. when it looks like the majority of the people of the North are in favour of United Ireland. Okay, mm. things have changed over the last ten years or so, where we are, where the the, how would you put it? The opportunity and people's belief in the United Ireland has, has pushed things forward for people. We've also seen there's also been a lot of kind of rights movements uh, across the, across the island. So, for example, the the issue around repeal the eight, that was a people's kind of movement. Mm. Okay, and and people seeing changes and and that's the sort of Ireland that people wanted. So, and there's also the COVID has brought it in mm. the the absolute bonkers strategy of not having an all island. Uh, response strategy, yeah. to COVID. Yeah. But one island, yeah. where, where, if he had one kind of response, it would have made the island a whole lot better. So yeah. people have to, are seeing on that level the benefits of having the United Ireland. Mm. Um, so I, I believe that the structures are in the Good Friday Agreement in order to have a border poll. And that, that's in relation to people having their vote 
and going out and deciding whether they want the United Ireland. And I genuinely do think that part of Paul will be coming soon enough. And I genuinely believe that an All Ireland is on its way. So yeah, basically telling us we're gonna be we're gonna have a better football team. Well, Did can we can we can we can we get any worse at the moment? Like, because <laughs> I, I I was I was so disappointed. I'm a big soccer fan, I'm a big GA fan, big sports fan. Like, but and I was so disappointed watching the other night because I was looking at it and I was saying, right, so th- there's no other sports in the in the state that has a way of lifting us than the Irish soccer team. Yeah. Right, it hasn't. Like, you no. know what I mean? Even the rugby lads and, and they're great and, and other sports. Even though I'm a big, huge Dublin fan, but Dublin yeah. can only lift Dublin. doesn't lift yeah. the other 32 yeah, counties, 21 yeah, yeah. counties. The Irish soccer team, if they had a one the other day and then we're moving into the easings of restrictions, it would have started lifting people a little bit. But the fact that we didn't win, I was like, oh, here we go again. Mm. So it, was, it was a tough one, so I was very disappointed. Um, well, they, were talking, hopefully we they, were ta- they were talking today on the on the radio about an all Ireland football team, and mm. they were saying it's the only sport that there's not. I mean, with rugby, with I think they said cricket. Um, I don't know if cricket is a sport over here, really, is it? Yeah, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Oh, we got to a World Cup, did we? So, yeah, yeah. so it, was, it was definitely cricket then. Yeah. It, it didn't, it didn't lift the the country. Like it's definitely, yeah, that's you know what? Because we always have this thing. It did lift us once because we beat England, and that was a, that was the biggest yeah, year. That's always we got, a win. Like, yeah. I, mean, like, I think about paying tiddlywinks against England, that would that would lift the country. Like. A game of pugs. <laughs> it does make sense for it to be an all-out football team, though, really. Oh, and it, it can only bring out the best in everybody, really, because it's you're talking about one overlooking body. Funding all going to the same place. You have a bigger pool of players. You know, mm. I'm sure the the grassroots then will benefit as well because you, like that you have a, a centralized system. But, but going to that as well, go let's go like, put that in the kind of same context that you put in the United Ireland. If we had an All Ireland football team, that would give us a way, an opportunity to basically pull apart where the FAI has been over the years yeah, and where yeah. the funding has gone. Good opportunity. And yeah. an opportunity to restructure that yeah. and get it right. And yeah. you could use that for the whole of the island. So that, that, that's part of the biggest pro- really. one of the biggest problems. Yeah. The FAI is a shambles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I struggle watching Ireland now. I just get so fucking annoyed. Like I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? Like I never forget going to the Phoenix Park when they came back from uh, the World Cup. Mm. Like... The likes of Steve Snorton, yeah, yeah, Kevin Kilban. What a great like we lost some penalties to yeah, Spain, which yeah. was fucking heartbreaking. But what a fucking year yeah, that yeah, was! Yeah. Like that, that was the best year of football I feel in my generation. Yeah, the yeah. country has ever seen. So, uh, it brought everyone. To, everyone was getting the windows painted, the bleeding curbs painted. Yeah, the yeah. whole lot it was unbelievable. I remember it well. Now I'm showing me A's. Now I'm going back to the Jack Charlton in the Euro eighty eight. Yeah. Was my first experience yeah. and all that kind. I can track my kind of. Childhood now, some something not me, me, me going from childhood into into adulthood from Euro 88 mm. to, to Italia 90 to USA 94. They're all milestones for me at different ages that I can remember back on. Yeah, like. it's mad, but that's how it? that's the power that the Irish soccer team has, exactly. So, I mean, so when they were when they were beating the other night, and I, I do feel sorry for some of the lads and all the lads actually, and I feel sorry for the first for, for the manager. Mm. Um, but we we need to. I don't know what we need at the moment, but we definitely need to get the grassroots sort. Yeah, we go back to basics, like yeah, hundred percent. Well, I I think if if that does happen, it will be a big change. And like you said, it is the opportunity to to sort out all the shit that we've been dealing with throughout the I'll years. I'll be seeing, I'll be seeing that champagne. Roy Kane might even come back and manage. You never, you never know. You never know. But, but like speaking of the grassroots, there is a a development happening in in our own local community in Collinstown, isn't it? The football club there now is, is they, they they have plans for the future of getting a, a clubhouse set up and everything. There is they have plans, but uh, like it's like everything else, and I do a lot of fair bit of work with the lads. Like they have plans, but it's 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 about getting the funding. Yeah, for these plans, but it's also about getting 
where 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 the clubhouse go, where's the land gonna be? So it's not a straightforward of right. yeah. just having plans. Um so like I said, like it, it's like everything else around here. Like the lads in fairness to them, they're, they're dedicated and they're, and they're putting their heads to the wheel and they and I've no doubt that they will achieve it, but it's not gonna happen overnight. Right. Mm. Exciting. Well what do you think is the biggest problems around here now, Mark? The biggest problems there's a lot of stuff that is going back from generation to generation. So we have a lot of kind of how would you put it? Like poverty is still there. Mm. Like, like I'm involved with a, with a fuel bank. I, well, I'm not involved, but I, I get them a dig out as and I get donations for them and stuff like that. Yeah. Other people are, are, are driving that. Um, so, for example, like when this day and age, when that fuel bank and it's only it's only a proportion of people that that they're feeding up anywhere between seventy and ninety families a week. So that's the near area. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, we still Jeez, have, that's a lot, isn't it? We we still we still have we still have a lot of kind of poverty issues, mm. and a lot of the poverty issues will lead on to other issues then, and and that that lead to to spiral effect doesn't it, it does but it also limits is the access for people to reach their full potential yeah because if you, if you if you haven't got food in your stomach exactly you're, you're not thinking about college you're not thinking about anything else forward you're, you're just thinking about getting the food in your stomach yeah. you know what i mean so on a very basic level so poverty is one of the things that underpins a lot of this issue a lot of the the issues that we have in the, in this area and it's been going back since i was a kid like so i mean so we need to put things in place that's going to address that for people as well yeah that, yeah. that is really interesting i never thought of it like that like how are they gonna aspire to something if their biggest fear right now is they're hungry? Feels, yeah. Yeah. Like that's that that is actually and, the, like, and there's also and you, like and that applies to the whole world. It does, right? Yeah, and yeah, but and there's also the pressure happen locally. Yeah, locally. I know. And because of the access to social media and also there's also the pressure on parents then to do their best for the kids, which they all, what they are doing. But a lot of, I've come across parents that are putting themselves in the debt and trying to get their kids oh, the best runners, the best jackets, Mark, I talk and all about this kind this of stuff. Like, all the time on so the podcast. It, it's, it's really difficult for parents as well because uh, their kids want to be, they, they don't want to stand, be the one that hasn't got this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know, but like, like... Someone has to stand I, the ground. I, I, yeah, I, can't, I just can't, like... Now, this is coming from somebody. Now this is the truth when we were growing up. You're getting your son no, Gucci no, flip flops, aren't you? I knew, I knew, going up the top of the road, Robert Bell. I knew when my boots got too, my football boots got too small for too too small for me. Yeah, he's had to grow out his out of his. Right, you I was I had to go with him and give him two pounds at the time for his boots. Yeah, go around to Stephen Cavan at the back of me because I know he was a size behind me and say Stephen these are going out and I'd sell them to him for the two pound <laughs> and he'd go down the road. So that's the, the boots and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what used to happen. Yeah. Yeah. and that was the reality of it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like so I know exactly what it's like when you when you, you haven't got it, just haven't got yeah, it. Like, like, you know oh, I, mean? like, I see too many stories. Yeah. Um. People struggling, tr- trying to keep up. Like, Mark, you know yourself, you're on Facebook. You see people now, their kids waking up on Christmas, uh, on their birthdays and it's like Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't have it. And you know they don't yeah. have it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it, oh, I'm not even getting into it because it does, <laughs> it fucking wrecks me head. But w- what are you currently working on now, Mark, project-wise? What's... So there's a couple of things. I said we were. I've, I've produced a document on mental health, as in what we would do here and now that would help within the COVID situation, but also put things in place on a longer term. So yeah. if I was asked tomorrow, how would I would I fix the whole mental health problems in in, in the island? Yeah. No. Mm. Or would I put things in place that would make it better? Absolutely. And yeah. we have a few ideas in this document that we were we at some stage we're hoping to bring in legislation in order to bring down forward. So the likes of that you were talking about the GP kind of access the the, the referrals from the council from GP is one of them. There's also a, a pilot scheme that's working in the north and it's working quite well. We haven't gotten like it down here. Uh, it's it's a de-escalation team. So if somebody's having a kind of mental health episode within the community, that this team will go out. It's like an ambulance. It is an ambulance. It goes out, trained, trained paramedic, 
trained mental health expert, will go out to the person, they'll try arson there and then, they refer them to somewhere where they, they should be, they get, they get access to, on a worst case scenario, they'll bring them somewhere. Very so good. It, that, it's the likes of them things, and that would make a big difference to people here and now. It's also, it would make that 24-7 access to emergency mental health care, which we're lacking at the moment is in, in yeah. this day, that we'd have that, that, that included. There's other things as well, like there's 10,000 kids, or 10,000 people, the vast majority of them kids, waiting on public uh, psychologist appointments at the moment. So 10,000 waiting, and they're going nowhere. Yeah. So we, we also have in that, that we, we, we crew, and I, I spoke to the psychology uh, Society of Ireland, they have the capacity, they have the psychologists there, we recruit more psychologists, we get them into the system, and that would make that ease of access. So they're just a few things here now. So that's one of the things we're working on. Also, I mentioned around the, um, earlier on around the kids, to access services such as occupational therapy, speech and language, yeah. assessing the needs. Um, that's that's another thing that's really, really annoys me. Yeah. Um, these kids should be able to get the services when they need it because it's mm. on, a, on a very basic human level. Yeah. They should be able to get it because it's heartbreaking when you see kids, as you mentioned, they're regressing mm. because they're not getting the services that they need. Um, I'm also working on, just, for, just in this area locally, you know, I'm working right across the constituency, but we're working on getting, and it, we, it looks like it, it's moving on further than I thought, um, is a post-primary um, autism classes in Collinstown. So when kids leave school, so we have a, an autism uh, section up in St. Peter Apostle, for example. So okay. At the moment, them kids leave school and they're going back in the mainstream because there's nowhere for them to go within the locality. Yeah. So next year in Collinstown, um, I, have a, I got it back off the minister yesterday, they're going to have a, a temporary classroom for, for kids with autism but they're, they're putting in for planning down for the long term of that as well. So that should be that, yeah. something that will benefit the area as well. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, Mark, I suppose the next question I have for you is, like, how... So I kind of want you to tell everyone that listens, and, and including us, what can we do more to help all, all these projects? Like, especially with... Like, I, I'm a real advocate for mental health. Um, I, I, I'm trying to do some work with the Beacon of Light at the yeah, minute. Yeah. Um, I know Jeff and the lads down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey helped me out a good bit. Um, Mick is he, he was my counsel at the time, and obviously Susan is a big fan of what they do down there. But um, I I, I want to do more. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I I get a great feeling when when I give back and I know I'm doing something good, which is obviously your daily gig. Mm. So <laughs> I can only imagine how you feel when 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 you get something over the line. But well, what can us as a community do more? Well. And, and those individually, yes. Like, can I do something on the podcast to help get spread your message out? So you're doing it, yeah. Now. No, you, like, you, obviously you said you want to do more, but what you're yeah. doing at the moment, you're having we're having conversations around mental health, yeah. which don't happen every day of the week, yeah. So if people are the more people that are talking about mental health, the more people that are are likely then to go and speak about their own kind of stuff yeah. going on. And if someone hears, and I'm not just saying me, because I remember when I first came out with DMS and I, I was talking about my own journey at that stage. And the amount of people that contacted me and said, Mark, that, that helped me. Mm. And, I, and I didn't realise by me saying that it was going to help other people. It wasn't the reason I'd done it. I, yeah. I'd done it for other reasons, just for myself more than anything yeah, else. Exactly, like, you know yeah. what I mean? like, um, and it does help people when they see that somebody else is at the kind of coming through a situation and, and come out the other Look side. at the so, end of the tunnel, So yeah. I, I think that that helps. As a community, Like we... we I've, I've seen so much good work and so much, and you mentioned Susan as well, like so much people like Susan that are out there within the community just every day trying to make this area a better place for everybody. On LinkedIn yeah. with the group, there's a, there's a group there that are really, really good. There's the part of the family resource centres, the youth centres, uh, the addiction service, the, even the pastoral service and the local police forum. There's a group of 
these groups of people are all getting together and they're working in a way that they're going to try and make this place a better place for everybody mm. and the access to services for people and make sure people sometimes when people are, are coming to these services they, they find it difficult to walk through the kind of red tape that they need to get through in order to access these services the likes of these kind of groups are kind of helping these people so yeah. anything that people can do around this community that will help them groups would be a, a great way yeah. even the likes of the, the Beacon like the Beacon do great work but they're, yeah. very, they're very underfunded yeah like, the, the, like, the, the, this is what I'm saying yeah. like, and this is the message yeah. I'm trying to get out because I personally went there yeah. and it did help yeah. me do you know what I mean and I know there's loads of other people there that are yeah. benefiting from so what they when do I mentioned so. that 10 million euros that the, the government came out there last week or the week before last for mental health the Beacon won't say any of that yeah like, and the, the, the likes of the Beacon and other organisations right across the Midwest are right at the cold face of, of this mental health tsunami that's going on yeah. so they're the ones that are feeling on a daily basis and they're working on a shoestring yeah. so we need to be able to recognise that the work they do but not only recognise the work they do but recognise it and give them the ability that they can not just deal with what's going on but the forward plan because yeah. that's a lot that's a problem that a lot of, lot of organisations have that they're just getting money the resources I should say to deal with what's going on here and now even though they can see something coming down the road they haven't got the the resource to go and deal with that yeah. so by the time that comes down the road bang it can hit them and, and then they have to deal they're with that. They're not prepared for it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, you have to be able to build up people's capacity, build up their resources, build up their training, all that kind of stuff. So that's that's the way. You mentioned the lads in Collinstown. I'm involved in uh, Round Towers down in, in Kadokan Village. Mm. All these sports clubs really, really help the, the the areas that we grew up in as well. Yeah. So anything that you can do to help them as well. So get involved. Like, you know what I mean? Like, get out and clean, it, the simplest thing, and I've seen people doing it, yeah. get out and sweep outside your front garden. Yeah. Yeah. Clean up that, make that little place a little bit toyed. Don't say that else. to him. He's the one that throws his big jungle wrappers. <laughs> and... No, I don't. <laughs> no, but even like that, so there are little things that will just make this area a little bit better. Like, you know what I mean? Because one yeah. of the things that one of my big bugbear, and I, I won't go on about it too much because I could talk about it all day, is litter. And, oh. and, and illegal dumping because we were growing up around this area I mentioned we had nothing yeah. but it was clean yeah, in comparison yeah, yeah, yeah. than it is today yeah. and we have like, black starts yeah. all over the place well, I bring the kids to Finches and that lane is a bleeding disaster yeah. every couple yeah. of days like, yeah. I, I know it's the same group of people yeah. doing it all the time as well yeah. do you know what I mean I know it's like a small issue you say like litter but you know it would be nice being in a nice clean area helps but uh, it's definitely yeah, so I remember now, yeah. um, the guy that used to live on your road he unfortunately passed away to COVID but he done a lot. You used to see him like not just outside his mm. garden, right Brian up Dawn, the street. Yeah. Oh, I know Brian. Um, yeah, Brian yeah. really good guy. Yeah. Yeah. He he, yeah, he, yeah. he he was he was good for cleaning. But what I want to give you, Mark, is so um you listen to the Susan podcast. I'm building her a website for the new normal. Um, let all your resources know. Yeah. That anyone that needs a website to come to me, I'll do it completely free of charge for them. Okay. All right. So okay. I, I, because I know. Some people need a website okay. to, f- to find the information. and Do you know what I mean? I'll, I'll happily do that in my spare time. As it, it's something I'm good at. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And another thing I can do then is offer kind of IT. Like, I actually interviewed a guy today um, for, for my job. He's, he's looking to get in. And uh, he told me that he's involved in some form of um, IT in the community where he helps like old age pensioners use... New technologies oh, yeah. and stuff Sil- like that. Silver sofas, I think they're called. Yeah, 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 I, th- yeah. I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah but great initiative. Yeah, yeah, uh, anything like that yeah. because that's what I'm good okay. at. I'm good with technology and I'm good at building websites. Yeah. So, you use my name. You forward on any contacts to me. I'm happy to help anyone out. And that's that's great. And as you as I mentioned there, 
see that kindness. That's mm. that's and I'm not putting you on platitudes or anything like that. Yeah. Because listen today on the radio coming in and there's a guy talking about how we can be kinder about people and how people can give something that's not everybody has. So he was talking about there was this guy that used to go into the uh, the GPO where where the homeless lads would get that bit of grub and that sleeping bags at night time. And he used every so often he'd go in. He was a dentist. He used to go in and take their dental implants, right. and then he'd come back a couple of weeks later with a brand new set of teeth for them. Right. So, and that was his way of making that person's life better. Yeah. He wasn't looking for anything for it. He wasn't doing anything for it. It was just that was his way of giving something back. And I thought that was a, a fabulous story. So similar to what you're at offering there as well. Like so, I think. Yeah. It, no. Look. Every, everybody has something to offer. Yeah. Everybody has something it, to offer. Exactly. Like, yeah. And that's what I know. I'm good yeah. at and what I can provide. So that's why I say it. Like yeah. I know, especially the older generation, yeah. how much they struggle with like website prices as well can be ridiculous that like some people are cowboys my dad still goes around with his phone numbers laminated on a bit of paper in his back pocket that's that we take around and have a look was yeah. there, he sent me a whatsapp there a couple of weeks so i was like whoa he's not getting in a little bit further yeah yeah you start <laughs> yeah. getting the pictures now and yeah, all next yeah. um right mark so we're, we're, we're at the end of the podcast now so what, what i'll just finish off with a few questions for yourself and um, that were asked by uh some of our guests or some of our followers on instagram so one of them is, what do you hope to achieve overall? Um, you, you kind of touched on that a li- little bit, but like when you retire, I suppose, where where do you hope to live? What do I, I just, as I said there, I'm in a position where I can change and influence change and make things better for this area. Yeah. And if I can look back and say, yes, I made this place a little bit better. Yeah. I'm happy enough that's, with that. Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's a very good answer. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that as well. Um, what's your biggest achievement so far? Oh, my kids. Without an absolute, without Love a doubt, that yeah. oh, type of man. Yeah, no, without a doubt, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like yeah, it amazes yeah. me that I've trained them. I said they're in three different um, primary, secondary, and, and college, and and they amaze me every day of the week, yeah. every time, every time I'm with them. So yeah, no, without a doubt, my kids are like, I mean, and they yeah. keep me grounded as well. Everyone, like, I mean, like, everyone was expecting something different there, <laughs> so and the fact that you gave that, I fucking <laughs> love it. Oh, oh, I always say, Mark, that you don't understand the true meaning of love unless you have a kid. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just instant and nothing is comparable yeah, yeah. to it. You, know? you, you realise you're not the centre of the world as well. Yeah. That's the biggest yeah. um, reality check. And you realise you're not cool anymore as well. <laughs> 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 yeah. Now, you're not allowed to cop out on this one, right? What's your proudest moment? You're not allowed, I no, know your kids are. I know no. they are. Your proudest moment work-wise and what you've done. There's a couple of things, right? So... I have a couple, like, so, since I joined the party, I've kind of moved very, very quick. Like, I, I didn't plan to be a, a politician or get into politics. It kind of just happened. I call okay. myself an accidental politician. <laughs> um, but having the MS, which I talked about earlier on, has given me the kind of belief that if a door of opportunity opens, walk through it, because you don't know when you're going to get that opportunity again. If you're, going to be in the ability, you're going to be able to take it. So I do take chances, I take risks. So I became a councillor. A couple of years later, which was a huge moment for myself, was becoming the mayor of South Dublin. I was the first person from this area. Yeah, seen uh, you open Lenny's bar yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah, with that, the bling on. That was me. Him was a 50 cent. That, that was me. So, and, and what happened was when I was up there, I, I was when I was the mayor, like even the, the, the CEO of South Dublin, you say, Mark, you're not the mayor of uh, Knock and Dock, you're the mayor of the whole of the county. Yeah, and I'd say, yeah. no, I'm bringing as much down to this area yeah. because we, we, we never got any kind of acknowledgement from, from the council and like that. So that was a huge moment for me. It was a huge moment for, for my family as well. But the, the icing on the cake was was becoming a TD and winning that by-election. Like that by-election was was uh, seismic in a way. That, that was a Fianna Gael seat mm. that they basically think that they thought they had to just turn up and contest and was going to win it. Like Frances Fitzgerald was the outgoing. She was the Tarnister. 
she was she was she was a, a, a bastion of Fine Gael and she went into Europe when she got her seat in Europe that, that seat became available. Nobody gave us a chance. Nobody gave me a chance in that in that race. Yeah. But we knew that we had this the support on the ground and and it, and it, and I walked just by talking to people and that was a huge moment. So walking into Leinster House on the first time as a TD, it was I kind of take things in my stride. It looks like I'm taking things in my stride. It's not I do be processing stuff and I kind of couple of days later I might say whoa that was big like you know what I mean yeah. so that was a, that was probably one of my proudest moments as as a as a Sinn Féin um, t- uh, party member was being able to represent this area and Dublin Midwest as a, as a TD so that's, yeah. that's me proudest yeah can't argue with that, can you? No. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done, Jay? Uh, clean me around today. Um, and what's the feedback been like so far, Mark? It's good. So what, what I like, so they're not used to somebody like me in there sometimes. So you can see it. Now we've, we've a good few working class TDs now in there and with working class accents like myself. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but... They're not used to someone like me going in. I'll, I'll, I'll put on my accent a little bit more sometimes and just let yeah. them know that I'm not here to be to be taken over and, yeah, uh, yeah. and being put down. Do you feel they have more respect for you? I don't know if it's about respect, but they're, they're just you, you can see a little bit sometimes when having a few debates in there that they're a little bit on edge. Yeah, they, they don't know what this fella's going to say. Now, it's hard for them to know what, what I'm going to say when I don't know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have an idea when my head when I go in, yeah. but that, that, can all, that can change fairly quick. Um, so, yeah, I, lo- I like just being true to myself in there. I always like it's. It's always like we've came up in this area with nothing, which I mentioned. We we've come from an area that has high levels of poverty, and there's no getting away from it. Yeah. Um. And we're always been over the years that this feeling that we're not good enough, and this is this is the level you get to. You'll never get to that level. So the fact that we have someone like myself that's in there, that's from this area, that came up around this area, that that should hopefully will encourage more young people to, to get involved and start doing something better. And if you can see someone like me doing it, that goes in and talks like them. Yeah. Speaks like them, walks like them. I remember being in in, in one of the schools, and I was doing time as mayor, and I was going around. And I was up the the transitional year students, right. and one says, "You can't be the mayor." Did you talk like us? And you have tattoos. that was brilliant. So it just it means that for for young people, especially young people, because I, I love young people that that they have not. I'm not saying look up to me, but they have somebody. From their own area that has has, has, has achieved and got into the doll. It doesn't mean that so it means that they can. So that barrier is going to broken yeah. a little bit as well. Yeah. I don't know. I would say look yeah. up to you. Like what's and, wrong I, and, and I'll say and without being kind of party political because don't forget this this Gino Kenny was there as well. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. me as well. So yeah. he's another fellow from this area that yeah. has managed to get in the doll. So it people are starting to see that people from areas like our own areas have uh there's a benefit for having us in there because we go 100%. in with our, we go in with our life stories as yeah, well. Never mind, exactly. never mind our education. I have my education, but never mind that. But it's going in with your your kind of life experiences and bring yeah. it in there. And, and like you said earlier, it, it, it's like the whole um, like the the common sense added to it. Like mm. you, you'll never have the wool pulled over your eyes in there. No. And, yeah. and I think other parties are aware of that. Do yeah. you know what I mean? They know. Look, these are way clued in. But I, I I always say that actually when we're, when we're talking, like one thing about being from this area is the cop on you have. Yeah, there's no value on it. I mean, because you're brought up and you, the things you see and the experience that you get, the, the cop on you get is, is invaluable. Like, that, so. oh, 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 I'm in a very good position now, Mark, in my job, and a lot of that is down to common sense, mm. in my opinion, and and being able to talk and you know just be a, pe- a people person. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, I'm not very literate, I'm not very intelligent, but I I'm good with people. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what put me into position, and I owe all that. To being from where I am today, yeah, you know, and, and one of the lessons that I've learned, like okay, I know how when to talk, 
we've also learned now when to shut up and listen. Yeah. Because you know what I mean? That's the other side as well. Yeah. 100%. I don't have all the answers. So yeah. when I'm talking to people, I'm I'm getting stuff from people as well. I said, this this person to give me an insight into this that I wasn't aware of before. And every day is a skill day. Exactly. You know I mean? like, Look, the saying goes, yeah. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So Mark, we'll finish off with the very last question being what would you what advice would you give someone looking to getting into politics? It's just to be true to themselves. So without getting into Sinn Féin or any of the other political parties, find if it's if you want to go as an independent, you can. But if you're looking to get into, become active in your community. Just that's the first thing you do. It's just you become active in your community. You get involved in your community. You try and get in a way that you're making your community a better place. And if over time that you you, you want to join a party, have a look at a party that suits your kind of moral compass and your, your and your and your values. And with that Sinn Fein, fantastic. You go and join Sinn Fein and the structures within the party where you can move within that and and hopefully get a chance to run for elections. Now it's not all about like I'm the face of this party around this area. Myself yeah. and Owen O'Brien, we two TDs in this area, uh, are the face of the party. We have two councillors, but we're just the face. Like We have a whole lot of people behind us that without them, we'd be nowhere. Yeah. Like These are the lads that are out leafing. These are the lads that are out in the community. These are the lads that are active the engines, in the community. Yeah. So without these lads, like well, I'm, I'm basically pissing against the wind if I hadn't got them behind me. So you need that structure behind you. So anybody's looking to get involved, Get involved at the, with the at the grassroots level, and it mightn't be for you as you go on. Yeah, but yeah. If, if it is, there is ways within our party for, for definite that you, you you can progress and you can get to the stage where you, you might run for an election sometime, maybe at a council level or a, at a TD. But yeah, listen, anybody around this area that wants to do it, you're good enough. Your your voice matters, and and let, let's hear it. There you go. It's a good way to finish it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I just want to say thanks for coming on. I genuinely didn't expect this conversation to go like this at all. Um, I, I wasn't like when Dan said oh Mark Ward politician like I, I knew who you were but I wasn't aware of too much as what you were doing just because I wasn't looking yeah. I wasn't involved enough you know but uh, I have to say I really enjoyed this conversation yeah. like yeah. it gave me a good insight and just want to say on behalf of everyone around here thanks for the work you are doing and um, now obviously a lot more people know so hopefully you get that bit more backing as well and yeah. more support and like Susan's at the benefiting a lot, you know, a lot of people are out there reaching out to Susan. Like the feedback we got from that episode is unbelievable. So hopefully we get the same here, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um thanks for coming on, Dean. Do you wanna thanks. add to that? No, thanks, Mark. No. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dean. Yeah, um look, may, maybe later on down the road, um we'll get you on again and um, and we can talk about kinda the things that y- you were looking to achieve and yeah, now yeah. they are achieved. That'd be a good story to have, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. But uh, th- thanks for taking your time and coming on, Mark. Really appreciate it and enjoyed the chat. Thanks, lads. Cheers, bud. Slant. <laughs>